I'm reminded of a recent very popular movie. And in the spirit of Rambo, let me tell you, we're going to win this time. Movie Mavericks. The Movie Mavericks Podcast. Movie Mavericks, speaking of fucking long, uncut European cocks. The Movie Mavericks Podcast. Now for your hosts, Jason and Trevor. I can't wait. Hey now, everybody, welcome to a very special retro episode. This is our 10th uh, retro podcast. We're doing a special movie. I'm not going to tell you because Jason Rugard, my co-host, picked this movie and it is... Uh, I don't know if it's your favorite movie, but it certainly is your favorite actor. Oh, it's definitely right? uh, yeah. Well, it's up there. It's probably within yeah. my top uh, top movies of all time. Definitely. All right. top well, most I'll let you introduce it then. The film on tonight's retro podcast, if you couldn't tell in the beginning there with our lead-in, is Rambo, Rambo 3, that is, the 1988 Memorial Day release, that is, of 88. Uh, this was the big summer blockbuster to be, and a highly anticipated sequel to Rambo First Blood Part 2. This is a strangely titled series, right? Because technically this would be First Blood 3, right? Yeah, but uh, I mean, to be fair, this is kind of for us stupid folks who just go to the movies and thinking Rambo, Rambo 2, Rambo 3, right? We don't... I mean, this was before Star Wars. Uh, no, it wasn't actually, right? I mean, Star Wars episode four, five, and six, but it certainly was before the prequels. Certainly um, was. So I don't know what the fuck's going on. Yeah, Rambo three. This so, is a, it's not Son of Rambo. I don't know. No, which is a, it's a great <laughs> movie though. You should watch that if you haven't seen that. Um, this this whole series though, confusingly titled. I mean, Rambo was actually Rambo. What's part the? Four. Uh, yeah, yeah, hit us up with the. Uh, so there's four Rambo movies. Yes, sir. What's the timeline on each one? Which we put them in order. We got First Blood, uh, 1982, and then you got. Um, well, but sorry, I mean, in order of, of John Rambo's life. Oh, shit! Um, of, of where they stand <laughs> in my book, you're talking about? Like, is there a pre? You're saying like prequel, non prequel, what this it's, and that, right? Or, or, or I mean, they don't go in order, right? No, they're linear. They're all linear. They are. Oh yeah, well, absolutely. There you go. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the tagline for this for some reason I thought Rambo two was no. He goes back and saves the people. That's right. He's in prison for his actions in part one. Yeah, it's a a direct continuation. Got me. Yeah, it is. Gonna have to go back and look at part two, my friend. I might uh, have to. Mm. Um, But no, no, this one. uh, This one takes place, you know, 1988, and there are some obviously uh, somewhat embarrassing. Now in today's political and you know landscape with with where and we changed stand. right they 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 kind of try to cover it up a little bit <laughs> yeah um, and embarrassingly he's fighting alongside the the Taliban or the Mujahideen well, warriors yeah not the Taliban them. but Al Qaeda really is what we're talking about here to be fair but, though this wasn't the first film to do this James Bond had also done this mm-hmm. exactly the same thing uh, in the Living Daylights fighting with the Afghan freedom fighters as they were called in both films. Um, but this movie was the most expensive movie ever made at the time of its release, $63 million in 1988, which is about $140 million today. Um, still not up there with the, the $200 million behemoth that we see today. And um, it grossed $53 million here in the States, uh, opened up Memorial Day weekend alongside Crocodile Dundee 2, which was actually the bigger hit of the weekend and of the makes year. makes sense. I mean, who didn't love Crocodile Dundee? And uh, that, this adjusted really? made about 112 million, but this really foreign is where it collected all of its money, where it's easily translatable mm-hmm. and a huge. Stallone has a huge Why, uh, that database. I mean, yeah, you, you talk. We're getting to the late uh, 80s, and this is kind of when a lot of these movies were being stopped. If this was making as much money as it was, why was it the last Rambo for like another 20 years? 
I believe Rainbow fell out of fashion after this because of Why you think thing. it was a political thing? No, I think mm -hmm. uh, Stallone says it best. He says, in 1989, when Michael Keaton got into the Batman suit and he could have zip-up muscles, I knew it was the end of the days of muscle men. When every <laughs> action hero can do anything, what's, you know, what's the sure. specialty of the personality, really? I don't know. I, mean, I, I may argue against that to some degree. I think that uh, a lot of critics thought this was just an action movie and nothing more. And and maybe to, to a lot of extent, that's kind of why it never went anywhere after this. It felt aimless almost a little bit, this movie, you know, as far as if you're talking story. Right. I mean, where does Rambo go after this? It really does. And, and the reality is Rambo 4 is really this movie made again um, much better and amazing film. I love it. It doesn't really like expand on the universe, does it? Well, this movie is larger than life, is it not? I mean, it, it, it's a cartoon. I, I mean, I agree with that it, it, to an incredible degree, especially uh, when you get to the ending and you have the uh, the amazing showdown jousting scene, yeah, between a tank and a giant helicopter, in which uh, John Rambo is unable to shoot the helicopter, even though it's five feet in front of him. Well, and I love that he lets out a roar as they yes. collide because that helps. But in what other fucking movie will you see this happen where they fucking run into where a helicopter and a tank will run into each other? What other movie? Well, Rambo 3 like is part none. of that 1980s action uh, collection that to me it's impossible to turn these movies off. Once I had to sit down and watch this because in its entirety because of the fact that I can't step away from this. Once this thing gets going, which is very quickly, this is it, it moves like a goddamn gazelle. And, uh, uh, directed very well, but um, problems with direction. Let's talk. Let's get into the precursor to that. Stallone is rumored to have punched, you know, maybe mm -hmm. injured director Ted Kotcheff on the set of First Blood. Now, on Rambo: First Blood Part Two, he ghost directed it. Peter well, McDonald, who directed this, this one, one, obviously. Um, yeah, you say that, but you know who was fucking in charge, right? Our buddy. I mean, we all know Sylvester Stallone is fucking in charge on any movie he directs. I period. heard stories. I've read uh, Russell McCullen was actually the, the original, original director. director. Yeah. Our, our buddy from Highlander 2, the slow fuck against the wall guy. <laughs> that was uh, Highlander 2, yeah, right. That's what he said. If you listen yeah, okay. to the director's commentary <clears throat> on Highlander 2, the director, Russell McCulkin. It's the greatest, this is the greatest uh, thing ever. Likes to he, as he gives his commentary over the Christopher Lambert love scene. This is the so slow good. fuck against the wall scene. He thinks it's so good. He thought it was art. I don't know what the fuck it is. Yeah, he was fired from this movie very early on. Stallone has said in interviews that he was casting Russian bad guys that look like models and not like grizzled vets. He thought he was mm -hmm. wrong for the project. He was gone. Now Sheldon Ledich, who wrote this film with Stallone, who also. Uh, would go on to write Legionnaire, which was directed by Peter McDonald, a uh, Van Damme film, which was done in 1998. About... Hold on, though. let me tell you the story, though. Okay. He says that McDonald staged a coup, and he did it to him when he was directing on Legionnaire. He said he did it to me, and he did this on Rambo 3, where he, he got into Stallone's ear and was saying he wasn't sh – because McDonald was a DP – and he was saying that the director had no idea where he was going, and basically him and Stallone were going to ghost direct it together. Right. He's a second so, unit director, right? McDonald. 100%. And he also tried yeah. to do this apparently on Batman with Burton, uh, which mm -hmm. is telling because he was a cameraman and he was not on any other Batman movies or Burton movies. Well-directed, <laughs> is it not? Good God. I can't decide if it's well-directed or if it's simply not directed and if that's a great thing as well. But getting back to when I was trying to interrupt you, script – um, the Harry Kleiner script, have, does it exist? Is it available? This is the uh, the Red Heat, the Bullet, uh, uh, 
writer originally wrote a script for this that Stallone poo pooed throughout there. And, and you said Sheldon Lettich uh, wrote the thing for this. Uh, is this available? Has anyone read this fucking thing? I, that's a new piece of information to me. I did not know that. I would love to get my hands on a copy of that bad boy and figure out what yeah. the what the landscape on that was. You know, there have been so many weird ideas floated around for Rambo movies. At one point, they were going to get John Travolta to team up with him and uh, try to save POWs in the second one. Right, they, but that was that's Expendables, right? Expendables 4? It's coming out. Uh, actually, that was kind of a precursor to it. Um, <laughs> Almost, straight, right? Strangely enough, this ended up being the 16th highest-grossing film of the year. It made the top 20 of the year, even though it wasn't a big hit. And uh, it did make more than Red Heat, which was Schwarzenegger's comparable vehicle. But what I always remember is that this is the year that Twins came out and really cemented Schwarzenegger. And there is that jab in Twins when he walks by the poster for Rambo 3 and grabs his bicep and laughs at the poster. Remember Uh that? That little slight. This was back when they didn't like each other. This Mm -hmm. is back. This is the Cold War between Schwarzenegger and Stallone. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Uh, There was very frigid times there. Let's uh, break and listen to the teaser for the film. This is the great um, voiceover artist there. You'll you'll hear it immediately, the classic 1980s teaser for Rambo 3. We'll come back, and we'll uh, get into the actual film. He's a soldier who never strikes first. He's a warrior who wasn't going to take on one more war. What do you think this man is? God! Oh, God would have mercy. He wants you. But they forced him to come back to save his only friend when they dared to draw first blood. Why must you do this? Does he do it for me? Rambo 3. Stallone. Memorial Day. What the hell is going on? Who is this? The worst nightmare. All right, and we're back. You know, this movie, how did you come to this, first of all? Did you see this on video or were you a theater guy on this? Oh, I don't even remember the yeah first time, yeah. Not even, like, in my memory bank. I mean, from most movies in the 80s are not in my memory bank anymore. But I do remember seeing this uh, when we watched it again on high def, and it looks beautiful. If you guys have not had a chance to see this on Blu-ray or, you know, Voodoo, uh, whatever high def means, uh, you have to see this. This movie is shot beautifully, and and the transfer is just – it's fucking gorgeous, is it not? It's flawless. It, I, I didn't realize how good looking this was because I've had this on years. Could you imagine videotape. seeing this pristine digital version of this on the fucking big screen? I saw this on the big screen, and I don't – I mean I was obviously a kid. I don't recall But this version – <laughs> yeah. This movie always had saying. a certain – dirtiness to it and kind of a grungy dirty quality i mean i had a version yeah. of this taped off hbo for years that i watched i mean i think it's yeah, the video I, tape around i here do somewhere. remember the the vhs of this it kind of a staple of vhs back in the day really every video not, not until the a copy of this yeah true uh i got I mean, all the my mom movies. on this one though because uh may 25th 1988 she took me out of school to go see this bad boy <laughs> i was nine years old i'm dead serious i recall still being in the theater on a toy looking at that poster <laughs> it was larger than life and it said first one for his for himself the second mm-hmm. was for country the third was for a friend and i remember reading that and i'm telling you when the movie starts and even to this day i, I remember that that kind of feeling that when stallone turns around and faces camera and the music gives him that cue uh-huh. it is such a 
a bigger than he was larger than life to me uh and then when i saw him in real life and he was not larger than life it was kind of <laughs> down, you know that's how they all are yeah right you know but i just i thought he was gonna be 40 fucking feet tall because as a, as right. a nine-year-old boy that sure, was you know, yeah that was like he talks about steve reeves being his idol at mm-hmm. the time that was mine it's the movie magic right it makes people look uh, uh bigger than they are uh, the um, stick fighting scene, though, to start this off with, do you feel like that's a bit of a Rocky influence there to start things off with a, a somewhat of a sporting endeavor? Really? I felt more of a Van Damme-ish thing on that. And this movie's interesting to me because this movie does feel like a bit of a, a response to uh, you know, Schwarzenegger and Van Damme and other people in the space of action movies at this point starting to crowd their territory it does feel like kind of like oh well you can do that well i can kind of do that too and that's where that the whole stick fighting thing kind of kind of hit me with was like the kind of like basically i can be van damme stallone doing the fucking spinning kick would look like a retard right it would look ridiculous let's not forget yeah but it doesn't it doesn't come off not really i mean I just I feel like there's a sports I mean there's really there's two sports montages in this movie. There's the beginning stick fighting scene and mm-hmm. then there is when he gets to Afghanistan and does mm-hmm. the the game with the the dog. The lamb. Yeah, the they, lamb. They but, yeah, they're on the horseback and they pick up the lamb. It's apparently dead because it's lifeless, but they carry the lamb around. It's like Quidditch if you were you know for all the Harry Potter fans out there, if you were on horseback but you picked up the lamb and then you like through it through the fucking hoop it's weird as shit right this is not the weirdest fucking thing you've ever seen but this is again to me this whole entire movie speaks to like what it was like to be alive in the 80s shit was ruthless back then like and you watch this and they're just taking this dead lamb body and throwing it around in a game and it's the one thing that like the news today doesn't show us right they still don't show us this shit but this is exactly the kind of shit that's happening in the world and there are people who aren't as civilized, and I, I put air quotes in that, uh, as us, really, who still kind of live life like this. It's an interesting moment in the movie when not much is happening because that first act is measured, and this is by far the most humorous Rambo. I mean, there are moments of humor sprinkled in the first and third act in this, particularly when he goes and gets, hmm. uh, he meets his sidekick, which he will be his guide into this world. And um, yeah. gets the blue light. What does it do? It turns blue and things like that. His which is, sidekick is kind of the is a nicer, is the nicest guy probably in the movie. Really, this movie is about entry and escape, and it's visually, uh, it's spectacular. That, is it? The, you, I mean, the entry is so long, and the escape is so huge. The most succinct point of this movie, and really the the best part of this movie, I the, the, to me that was just fucking badass was the cave part where he, where he goes into the cave and fights all the rest. To me, the best part of the movie. Well, hold on. I, I want to get back to one thing. I would agree with you that's a great sequence, especially the way I think it, the climax of that sequence. But getting back to the, the whole part with the game, uh, with the lamb sure. on the horseback, it is a nothing moment that is edited to absolute perfection and built upon. Because the second well, but, that the game starts, they come mm-hmm. to those Russian helicopters coming that's in for the kill. Right. That's and the whole point of that, up, right? pumps it up, pumps it up, and it ends in a goddamn shootout where he's behind a 50 cow and he's sitting there with greasy hands and he's rubbing his face. I mean, Bro, that's the Rambo shot to me. The worry, the weary warrior. I agree with that to 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 the point that wouldn't that have been better had he actually been, you know, kind of beaten in that? He's never he's, really worried about anything, even though he claims to be. Um, uh, he goes through this really movie out. with such know. a ferocious intensity, too. I mean, he's got the eyes in this, and I wasn't. My grandfather used to love First Blood, mm-hmm. and. Uh, 
whole family's big Stallone, you know, Italians that love Stallone, da, da, da. But he loved First Blood, and I always asked him, why do, why do you like First Blood so much out of all of them? And he'd say, those eyes. He said he looked into <laughs> those eyes, and he, like, you could see he was fighting for his life. Mm-hmm. And I'm, in this parts in this movie, he's got that look again. It's like a dead a certain deadness. It's amazing what he does with his eyes to me. I know I've seen a lot of Stallone movies and I've overanalyzed it. I crap, agree. No, I agree with that. It's Rocky. He kind of droops him a little bit. He, he kinda, does. He slows it down. Oh. A, I mean, not just the speech, but the eye movements. That's actually... The, yeah. the senses are so keyed. The eyes are so aware, and, but so deadened inside. I, it's, it's, that's so on that that's ridiculous. Like what you just said should just prove to everyone, uh, for anyone that's seen Rambo and Rocky... And the differences between those two characters and this this one man who's portraying both of them, uh, you're right. Like the face of Rocky is different than the face of Rambo. Mm-hmm. I mean, the body is ridiculous. I, I but... yeah, no, you're right. You're completely right. All right, let's take a break and listen to Barbara Walters interview Stallone in 1988 about playing these characters for the rest of his career. Speaking of that, the fact that Rocky and Rambo are the films with with which you are the most associated, right. with which you have been so successful. Cobra mm. has also been extremely successful. The right. other films haven't made it that much. Mm. Is this that you will always have to do Rocky and Rambo? The audience won't accept anything else? I think in that genre, yes, uh, I have to be realistic that the audience is very astute. So does this mean that you spend the rest of your life, that's not bad, doing Rocky, Rambo 4, Rocky 5? Where are we now? <laughs> Rocky and the Return of the Crutches. <laughs> Quick. Rambo in his wheelchair, and on we go. Give yeah. me this iron lung, I can take him. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I suppose that, in, in a way, I have to be realistic. It is um, something that I, I find galling, because I, mean, I would like to go out and play a Puccini. But it doesn't bother you as much anymore. I mean, you accept it. It's a... No, I, I accept it. I, I accept it. It doesn't mean I enjoy it. Okay, and we're back. That's an interesting little bit there because of the fact that Stallone was just recently nominated for Creed. Unfortunately, he didn't win, but was nominated. And as recently as eight years ago, had Rambo out of the closet and was talking mm-hmm. about doing another one with him. Do you do you think it's necessarily a, a curse that he's stuck with, or is it a blessing that he's been able to re-dip into the well and reinvent himself? I'm just so lost on what people are putting up for Academy Awards because as far as I'm concerned, that Rambo movie deserved to be up for everything um i really thought he was better in that than he was in the creed movie you know and especially in the in the rocky before the creed movie he was he was better Um, you thought in rocky balboa you thought he was good i thought he was really good yeah it's unfortunate that the people who throw up awards you know and you know obviously the the award that he won the raspberry he won for rambo three as being the worst actor it's almost that leftist kind of attitude that exists in Hollywood, right? That that, that ridiculousness that, like, uh, Rambo 3 couldn't possibly matter. It couldn't possibly be good, and he couldn't possibly be really acting in it. You know, right. And it, it hurts movies like Rambo, which is which are really, really good. And I remember when that movie came out, and um, I worked at a, bl- a blockbuster at the time, and a, an older gentleman uh, worked with me, and he refused to believe that that was a good movie simply because of the way Lionsgate marketed it with that fucking, you know, as the body to the floor song and that kind of shit. And it's like, there's so much emotion in that movie and it has nothing to do with 
mowing people fucking down like nothing matters like just fucking shoot people and people are exploding oh isn't that cool no it's a goddamn real movie with full spectrum of emotion and shit you know like everything is happening in this movie like how are you not liking this and he's same thing mm -hmm. i had a guy i was working at a bar and i had a guy a police officer he said who knew i was doing the website with you overheard me talk about it and said hey kind of sheepishly said did did you see the last rambo i said Did I see it? I've seen it three times. I'm a huge Stallone fan. He said, wasn't it great? He said, I saw it. I told my buddies at work. We went and saw it, and then we all went back and saw it again. And it it kind of had that fervent cult following to it, and it's now seen as this weird uh, tag-along that's more of a launching pad for the Expendables. I I guarantee the Expendables (laughs) made what it made because of the reputation that Rambo had built up on. on It was definitely the the, the jumping-off point, but it was – uh, to the point that I'm speaking of for these types of movies, you know, what, what's unfortunate about these R-rated um, 80s uh, throwback movies is they have a hard time because people don't like those kinds of ideas and things. And so they get they get hit. And even back in the 80s, obviously, you know, it was kind of a big deal. And, th- and this movie was politically um, unfortunate in its release as well. When you said the cave sequence, what about that cave sequence? Because to me, the high point it in is that movie, so smooth, and and, it, made, and and the bad guy in that, the the big Russian guy that he fights, right. is great, and then the blinding and the and just everything about that sequence um, is just interesting as it moves forward and this and that, um, and then when it gets to the end, uh, when he finally escapes, ready to face, uh, I don't know, I guess the army shows up, fucking, and then it's just so over the top. Hold on. When he's in the it's cave, you, you skipped over probably the most memorable movement in the movie. But he's uh, have to self catheterize himself. No, yes, uh, not, yes. That's part of it, himself. too. Not catheterize. It'd be a whole different movie. Carterize his wounds with a bullet. And but that's to, when, when, when men were men. Fuck yes, you know. I love that do shit. Do you think that this movie has too much action? Are you referring to the Sigal and Ebert review? Yeah, because we're going to get into that here in a second. I just wanted to know what I mean, you said on true. that. Because I watched it tonight, and somebody mm-hmm. said to me, I liked it, but. There wasn't a lot of words, and it's like I, I get right. that, but it, it it's a it's a it, it's a phys- it, to me Rambo is almost well, Tarzan esque. He doesn't have a that... jungle; he's in the desert, and he just mm-hmm. he speaks with his body and his physicality like a Tarzan sure. would. That's how they, they do that it. to a degree with Rambo Four as well, and which is still a, an issue I think in Rambo Four, but it's, it's an issue here where you're trying to say, you know, at the end of the movie you say dedicated to the brave Majahideen fighters. No, later changed to dedicate to the gallant people of Afghanistan, of course, because we got to be politically correct. That's why I like the game sequence as well so much, because it showed you who these Afghans. It, it, here's a world outside of your world, and like shit's happening, you know. As Siskel and especially Ebert said, it doesn't delve into that enough. You know, if you're gonna make the movie a political movie, it's got to be a political movie. It's it shouldn't be like Rambo Two had politics silly, though. And he came under fire for that. The movie came under fire for that. But this movie sets itself directly in that and then doesn't say doesn't just doesn't do anything about it right just doesn't just makes a mockery of it actually like you know it reminds me of it reminds me of when mission impossible one was uh, over criticized for being too complicated plot wise and then mission impossible two was just basically (laughs) born down to its base elements and it's almost like they so much shit about rambo mania and it being politicized and you know reagan saying this and it being a political figure now that they said fuck it we're taking all that out and making it just an action movie he's going in he's getting his buddy but if you're gonna do that you shouldn't set it then in Afghanistan and then have the scene where he goes and, and, and meets with the Afghani tribal people and, and becomes one with them. 
I think honestly, they looked and said, "Where, you know, who's the Russian enemy at this point? Who are we supplying, and what visually looks different than a jungle?" Boom, yes, we got but it. that doesn't work when when it becomes when you're trying to do more than that, right? And that's really what they, the setting was. We're trying to do more than that, and the movie was we're not doing that. All right, let's listen to Siskel and Ebert debate about this. Uh, Siskel giving it a positive review, and Ebert being well on the fence. Our next movie is Rambo 3, the further adventures of John Rambo, Vietnam veteran and one-man army, as played by Sylvester Stallone as a man of increasingly fewer words. In fact, although I didn't have an opportunity to count every word in Rambo, and I don't think I'll go back to Actually, do that. Actually, you did have an opportunity. Well, you chose not to do it. Time. I'd be willing to bet that Stallone speaks fewer than 200 words in the entire movie. Of course, he makes up for that with a lot of action scenes. The story this time finds Rambo in semi-retirement, putting a new roof on the temple of some Buddhist monks that he lives with in Thailand. Then one day, he gets a visitor, Richard Crenna, as his old superior officer and best friend who wants him to go on a mission against the Russians in Afghanistan. A lot of the movie involves Rambo's attempt to infiltrate the Russian fortress where his friend is being tortured. But look how this scene ends. I always love it when Rambo can jump out of the water and know exactly where to shoot and he doesn't even have to look first, and his gun is never waterlogged. Rambo 3 is kind of a hard movie to review, and I'm going to tell you why. Because just on the merchandising level, talking about the movie at retail, where you pay your six or seven bucks and you take your seat and look at the movie, it does deliver the goods. It provides what it promises. Lots of action, lots of stunts, explosions, special effects, a lot of excitement. I don't fault it there, but what I miss is any other level above that basic action level. Stallone has shown before that he can be an interesting actor with a good sense of humor, but here he seems to want to play Rambo as kind of a, of a fighting machine. I know that's the idea, but still, it robs the movie of its humanity, of the kind of wit and self-satire that makes something like the James Bond pictures work better with a lot of the same kinds of material. Rambo 3 has the hardware, but it doesn't have the heart. I don't know how to review it. I guess yes uh, to the fact that it uh, delivers and no to the fact that it doesn't do anything more than deliver. So finally, like this. But how do I got those flying thumbs again, right? Okay, go ahead. I just want to what let you, you sit there and stew. <laughs> I'm just busy with my thumbs. You yes, ahead. all right. What now, here comes the definitive okay, answer. Good, Very good, easy. Okay, fine. Thumbs up. Okay. And the reason is because it does deliver. It would be a better film if it had a heart, which Rambo 2 did. Mm -hmm. A real cause. Uh, admittedly simplistic, but mourning for the missing in action soldiers. Mm -hmm. You're right about it. This does not take the side of the Afghanistans. We don't get into that problem. We don't feel for it at all. You're right. But... On the physical stunt level and excitement level, entertainment level, for me, the film works. It gets a pass on that score. Well, uh, okay. It's the identical but, review, but I just give it up. Yeah, I say so it's good. I, it entertained me. It's I mean, interesting. Um, we are kind of right here in the middle on that one. I you're, liked it. You're on the I'm just definitive. And we're back. Uh, I got to agree when Ebert says that there are elements here of a James Bond fantasy. You have the impenetrable fortress, mm -hmm. um, Rambo kind of sneaking around and setting traps and around the guards that don't see him, um, faceless enemies, even him climbing the wall at the end to get into the, the fortress. Uh, do you think that in a way that they were trying to make this James Bond? I, I don't mean, think at all they were trying to make this James Bond, except for the ending fight sequence maybe but other than that like i don't know how what james bond would be the first three quarters of this movie 
I, I just thought any. The, 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 almost the self-parody of what's going on in this. I mean, I mean it well, defi- that's true. I mean, how easy was it for Hot like, Shots? Hot shots. Exactly, right? It was really easy because it wasn't even that far of a stretch, right? Which it's is great because Richard Crenna, I mean, what movie had a parody where the, the you know, and Stallone, to his credit, gave Crenna, who hit his credit, asked Stallone what role, and he said, do it. You know, obviously there's a lot there to mock. I love when they go in and they find Troutman, and he's hanging mm-hmm. from by his fucking arms above his head yes. from a piece of rope. What kind of torture method is that? But it looks like that... it's more work for the Russian bad guy who's trying to hold him up. <laughs> doesn't that remind you? I mean, the movie that, obviously, I I, I guess the movie that, that for me runs side by side with this are, are the Chuck Norris missing in action movies. I 100%, yeah. Right? I mean, you kind of Those agree the low with that. I mean, obviously the lower rent versions, but to me, they played it, I won't, I won't say safer, but I, I also, I don't know if I want to say smarter, but because they didn't have to go so big, they were almost better in the sense that they didn't have to deal with that political nonsense this has to deal with, right? If this didn't have to deal with the whole Afghanistan Russian shit, and if it was just a dude going in to save his friend, wouldn't that have been just a better movie instead of trying That's to like I- kind of introduce that like the other Afghanistan shit? I think that that's just a passing thing to even give it some sort of validity that a reason for existing. But Sylvester Stallone has been quoted as saying this is he wanted this to be in the theme of Tears of the Sun, but said in oh, Afghanistan. God. Christ, that's a sell job. That's a, that's a, that's a pre-release <laughs> sell job. There's, this is more in the, in the effort of great escape in the sense that it's about a fleeing and exodus at this point. I mean, Christ, this movie has three major movements. I mean, it basically takes – if you look at the, the linear uh, – the, the amount of time that transpires within the movie itself, it's about two days. I mean, it's really I know, nice. right? it's in Afghanistan for maybe 24 hours. But <laughs> I, I agree with you. And that, I, I, for me, that really works. The supporting characters that are with him know that their lives are expendable. Like they almost know that they're in this movie with this guy who's never going to die. You like, said he's expendable. Sort of deity. Yeah, it's like <laughs> they know like, OK, well, you're not going to die, obviously, but we are all expendable as fuck. So we don't want to go on this adventure journey with you. Yeah, right. He's like, all right, I'll be a pussy then. Like, no, we're just not the star. We could die at any moment. I'm gonna throw something out there. The uh, when he's first gets to the Afghani village, you know, and he's the, the game part of it and all that. Sahara. A little bit. You didn't feel Sahara a little bit in there. I I see what you're saying there, but this movie is such a singular experience for me because I've seen it uh-huh. so many times, and it's like, you know, it's almost like T2 where it's ingrained. I was trying in to say mov- movies that maybe have it spawned from this, right? Or I, or things that have lived on from like movies like this. Uh, maybe that's why I respond to Sahara so mm. positively as well. You know, I, well, I it do does like remind me, especially when they get to the village and, the, and, and he first discovers the gold, right, with the soccer ball and shit. It just reminds me of, and I know it's obviously not as big as it is in Rambo 3, the whole melding with the villagers and, and the locals and stuff. This movie, too, is, is for a 102-minute movie, this thing flies. And so there's not a lot of time stopped in talking and, and kind of pontificating about hmm. where, they're, where they're going next. It's all drawn out for you in that map in the beginning. And from there on, very, very few things are said between characters. And there's hmm. not a female character in this movie, if I'm not mistaken. Did I miss it? Is there a female in no, this movie? No, there doesn't need to be, right? I mean, it's not about that. It's not, it's not a love story. I just, it's level. rare to see not even one female in a movie, in, yeah. in a movie at all. I just, I was That's very, 
um, when you watch it now, you go, oh, my goodness, this thing is his testosterone to the fucking T. But Stallone moves like a, like an alley cat in this thing. He's graceful as all fuck, especially he's big like that. <laughs> he's um, so young. <laughs> commands the screen. I mean, he really does take up the whole fucking screen in this thing. And well, you, uh, some, you believe he could kill the people he killed, right? 100%. I mean, you do. You really do. <laughs> and the thing is that some reviewers said that he came off as a narcissistic endeavor and blah, blah, blah. It's this. It's the era of running around grizzled with no shirt on. But I, at the same time, <laughs> it's it's a car. It's basically Hercules Tarzan for the 1980s. It, it really was. And um, these movies can't exist today. There was no way this movie would come out today. Not in what we know about how ISIS works and terrorism and all this kind of shit. There's no way a one man army fucking movie works. It today. would be more political. It. I mean, that's one of the interesting things about that is that it. What ultimately hurt this was the politicalness. Right well, of it, but if this movie came out today, it would clearly have to be way more political than it was. I would agree. Right? You know, you this know movie is is, is just Jason Bourne because Bourne is a one man guy. Is it way politically? No, it's not. It's got I well, just, it's got more of a government ass uh, angle to it. And all it does, stuff. but this would this would really need to be really need to take a stance. Like this movie was conflicted at the time when it came out. It wasn't. It couldn't decide if it wanted to be a political film or if it wanted to be just a straight up action movie. You know, which ultimately. I think straddling that line pretty much killed it, especially with all the uh, the changing in the world and uh, all the shit that happened. But um, yeah, you just couldn't you couldn't do this today, you know. I mean, Jason Bourne, even as you say, yeah, that's true. I mean, it's way more political than um, than this. Well, this movie uh, spawned, or the second movie did at least, and this continued on the tradition of toys and cartoons uh, based on this series. Very strange, yes, cartoons. Hard R. There was. Uh, oh my yes, God. absolutely. Uh, there were totally Rambo cartoons. Yes, sir. And dolls and all <laughs> sorts of shit. And so the marketing for this, I mean, this was expected to be an absolute smash. Um, it did not do what it was expected to and do. Did you own any of the toys? I, st- uh, I still own an Uzi, I think, that has like a toy Uzi that says Rambo on the side. And I have Uzi. the cartoons on VHS tape running around I here I swear somewhere. that I had the, uh, the Rambo 3 action. The helicopter? Uh, guy. No, but there was a helicopter that I super wanted. I I swear. Oh I yes, there was a jeep. There was all sorts. There's a whole line there of them. Um, and he had like a whole team. He had like the like the magical mystery team or whatever. You know, the Mike Dyson mystery team with them. Yes. Uh, he had a, he had a whole bunch of shit. Those were. I mean, we did a whole episode once. I think you and I did this years ago, if I don't recall correctly, uh, about R-rated movies that spawned cartoons like Conan and RoboCop and Rambo. The 1980s was nuts. They would throw a fucking... I think there was a Teen Wolf cartoon as well. Yeah. Um, I think so. There may have been, yeah. This would be the most expensive film ever made until Carlico topped itself three years later with... Uh, or two years later, I'm sorry, with Total Recall in 1990 at Damn 65. Damn, kills, million. right? Yeah, a uh, highly violent movie. And uh, this was in that era, though, of bigger is better or more excited. I mean, Paul Verhoeven's Robocop was the year yeah, before. Bigger is better. <laughs> You know, uh, that's what she said. Uh, and this this movie, I think, just has a, a serious case of penis envy with Commando and things like that when you watch it. It's almost like they couldn't get like I said, yeah, larger with what was going on. It, it, it feels like a response to other action movies, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It feels very ways. reactive instead of proactive. Um, whereas Rambo, you know, you had Rambo, then you had Commando. Where, and then this is like, well, I'm going to do Rambo 3. Yeah. Rambo 3. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, so, um, um, we're going to leave you all tonight with uh, Mr. Sloan talking about his 
philosophy, I guess, with these characters and what they've what they him. We want to thank you guys for joining us on this special retro podcast. Um, I had a good time going back and, and looking at this thing. Did you? Would you recommend everyone go back and check this out nowadays? Yeah, I definitely would recommend a watch on uh, Rambo Three. Uh, I thought it was a lot of fun and a very good action movie, uh, especially if you're thinking of anything '80s to to go back to. You know, it's one of the ones that you might not think of. Yeah, I think even I sometimes overlook this one in the whole uh, Stallone yeah. um, canon, and I think uh, it deserves a little bit more credit from that, especially looking at how beautiful it looked. I'd like to go back and look at some of these images again. Yeah, it was, it was really good looking, yeah. We'll be back with you guys next week with a regular edition of our podcast, but until then, here's Sylvester Stallone on what the characters have meant to him. How would Rocky describe you? How would Rambo describe you? Oh, I think Rocky would say uh, he's... He's an okay guy. I, I think that he stays by himself too much. He's kind of a loner. And uh, Rambo, I think, would see in me someone he just he could hang out with, could talk to, who, who could understand his dark side. No, I, I think the character would look back and say that, that he did us a good serve. He he uh, he lived his life on his own terms. Uh, he fought his wars, he lost a few, but he never quit. He never quit. Quitting is too easy. Fighting is tough. Living is tough. Dying is easy. Living is tough.